Hello. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are the master last year podcasters uh, here doing another edition of movie reviews and this is another best of list uh, we've got DMM Dirty Mouth Morgan here yeah. on the other line and I am Jesus we're going to go over our top we've got about 30 movies each we're going to go over obviously we're going to duplicate some movies from the 1980s the best of horror list if you listen to our best of 1970s list. Hope you liked it. Uh, please send us comments to our email address www.masterblasterpodcasters at gmail.com We're all over the place as far as our podcasts. Uh, and on YouTube, please make comments if you can. Uh, uh, check us out. Maybe give us a like. Uh, whatever you want to do. The big thing is just to check us out. We hope you like what you hear. Um, so, DMM Let's start with um, our top 30 of the 1980s. Uh, before we get into the list, we're going to try to be very succinct here because we've got a lot of movies. We want the talk of the movies to be the main part of the episode. Um, what do you think of when you think of 1980s movies, Dirty Mouth? I, as far as horror goes, love it. I think... Uh it's one of the it's it's uh, you could say it's one of the heydays for horror movies. Love it. Yeah, without a doubt, and it seems like the 1970s kind of set up um, with so many hits that were horror movies in the 1970s. It kind of set up the 1980s for mass production. Um, we had a lot of sort of smaller horror movies in the 1970s: uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween. Uh, both of those movies were on our best of list. Uh, both of those were very small productions. Uh, they cost very few. Uh, I think Chainsaw Master was maybe under 100000 and Halloween was maybe three to 400000 And both were huge hits. So it set up a process. In the 1980s, people obviously were making <laughs> a lot of horror movies for cheap and making quite a bit of money off them. So the slasher genre, which was probably introduced on a mass scale by Halloween, 1978, really is something that went into the 1980s as a massive genre in in the film style. So let's get right into it. Uh, start with this. So DM, if you could start with, uh, you said you have 30 or right around 30? I got 35. Wow. Okay. So, How about this? Let's go with uh, five of yours. Okay. Before we get into my mine is thirty, and what I'll do is, if one of yours is not on my list, right, I'll make a brief comment about it. Otherwise, I'll do like I did before. I'll be like, um, okay, what's your next? What's your next movie? Which is, will be an indicator that yours will be whatever you said will be on my list. We'll pretty much do the show like that, where uh, if what you say or what I say, if we if we say a movie that's on each other's list, we'll just move it on to the next movie. Obviously, we'll be commenting on movie on each of our lists. We don't need to do that twice, so we'll do it once. Does that make sense? Yes. So, okay, start off with number 35. Oh, okay. And let's, let's start going down a little strip, man. All right. Uh, let's see. Shit. Uh, Phantasm 2. Um, I think it's a great sequel, and uh, uh, I don't know. It's just a continuation of of a great writing style, and uh, it's still you know you see the tall man or whatever, you know, and it's uh, still scary, and they didn't lose the essence of that of that movie, of the first one. Right away, you hit on one that I got on my list. So great. Uh, number thirty-four on your list. Okay. Maniac Cop. Okay. It's a good I movie. I just like it. I thought I, I thought it's pretty it's pretty good and it's it's kind of funny in a way, but then it's it's interesting because um, it, it's uh, it's like the it's it's a unique style of horror. 
uh, where a guy, you know, he just loses his shit and uh, he starts murdering people using his his uniform and, and uh, power. Yeah, it's evil cop movies. I think it's more of a staple after that movie. Uh, most of them, of course, had the cops being the heroes up until that, with the with the few uh, except, uh, exceptions. So, right. Yeah, good, excellent. So that's number thirty-four. What do you got for number thirty-three? Uh, let's see. Rawhead Rex. Hey, okay, Clyde Barker. Yes. I believe that was his first one to be made into a movie, I believe. I believe. Okay, um, you have anything else to say about uh, Rawhead Rex? I remember the, um, the priest being a big uh, what, antagonist, I believe, in this movie yeah. as to why Rawhead Rex was created. Um, I, I liked it because, uh, I mean, it was just... Uh, Something about it appealed to me. It just it was it was scary, but it was it was kind of unique compared to at the time compared to other horror movies. And uh, it was you know I was right when I started to really uh, get into them. So I'd say it's a good movie. Just you know. Yeah, uh, and for anybody that's a Clive Barker fan, uh, his books, A Books of Blood, I believe, in the 1980s were so huge, and it was uh, basically the biggest thing in horror since Stephen King's writing. Right. A decade earlier, and Stephen King called him the future of horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Clive Barker, that was, I believe, his first movie. He did not like Rawhead Rex very much. He said it was cheap, and the monster was cheap-looking and not very oh, real. Wow. But I still thought it was pretty good. I've just seen this within the last year, again. Yeah, me and too. And I still thought it was very good. Yeah. So his standards are pretty high. So. Right. Um, okay, what do you got for number 32? Uh, let's see here. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, excellent! All right, all right. That's a that is a fun one. It's it's great, um, great writing. It's not all horror, but um, it's got a good mix of horror with thr- you know thriller, political. Uh, you know, it's just a it's it's great. Uh, I mean, because Twilight Zone was a great show, uh, and it was you know. It, it's it's uh, it continues in the vein of uh, Rod Sterling. Uh, that guy was like a he, he's a he's a genius, um, and he uh, it, he he got inspired for the show. I found out originally um, when he watched the news footage of Emmett Till getting murdered um, because the mother like you know showed the cask or the you know showed his body to show people what they did and he took that and great you know and moved with it so the movie later on you know, it came out in the 80s so it's like it continued that that uh that's still that um the sharpness and 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 uh and, and still was like intelligent but yet scary and uh it also had controversy because um the because there's a scene uh, with the Vietnam with the, the racist guy who you know travels through different periods as a victim, and there in that scene there was a chopper that like had killed some people, and there was a big court court case and all that, and so yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, I still remember <clears throat> the, the there were some critical uh, some critics that didn't like it because of their selection of episodes of all the episodes they could have selected. Uh, what um, the, the the star. But that last, the last episode, I think, was really bad. Yeah, I think it was the old people in the... Oh, Kick the, the Can? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was... If you're looking to make a thriller, that's about the last episode I would have selected. But um, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet is probably the most... One of the most popular Twilight Zone episodes, of course, the TV show. Yes. Uh, it was written by the guy who wrote I Am Legend. I believe that's Richard Matheson, who is oh. kind of a legend. Nice. Um, who wrote some of those episodes for Twilight Zone and Night Gallery. He did work with Rod Sterling. Um, and, of course, in the TV show, uh, William Shatner played yep. the guy on the plane. And in the movie, John Lithgow, another very good... Uh, <laughs> if you consider... I, I was going to say another very good actor. If you consider Shatner a good actor, I, I, I happen to like him. But um, excellent... Um, 
that that was that was really fantastic. I've always loved that episode. Uh, well done in the movie, and loved uh, Dan Aykroyd as the hitchhiker uh, in the beginning and the end of the movie. You want to see something really scary? Right, classic, and it um, and it was like uh, I, I I thought the movie was good. The cast I thought was great because I you know I I I didn't know who all the people were at the time, but then I looked back and I watched it, and I was like, holy shit! There's like there's like great cast in every episode of the movie. It's just like, uh, you know, just, just amazing. Uh, I like personally, I like the kick the can episode. I kind of got it. Um, I like Scatman Crothers. I'm sure people could criticize him for, you know, the different roles, but yeah, he's great. I love yeah. Scatman Crothers. Um, he's great. You know, he's, he's a horror guy. Um, all of them, man. I just, uh, uh, just a great, great cast. Good story. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, good ones. We got number is it thirty one that you got the Um. Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn. Stephen King book. Yeah. But his movies were he, like, he was on a, like he had so many hits, and he didn't like a lot of the films made, you know, adapted from the stories. But as if you don't know that, like he. The movies are all great. Like, you know, uh, he just has, like, a string of hits as far as, like, for horror. Because this shit's different, you know? Yeah, there was a, a ton of them in the early to mid-1980s, I would say, especially. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, actually, to be honest with you, I remember the book, Children of the Corn, more. It's a, it's a kind of a short read. It's a fast read. Mm -hmm. uh, very good. I remember some monster out the corn, basically. And this kid's kind of leading, at least in the book, it was uh, some people on a road trip where these kids led them into deeper into the cornfields. Right. And there was a, some kind of beast out there mm -hmm. that kept kept people, which actually that's that's a common theme in Stephen, Stephen King books where you go somewhere and there's something there that leads you into somewhere and then it keeps you. Um, so that's, yeah, a very good... Uh, uh, very good book, and uh, I haven't seen. I remember I wasn't Isaac. The main character's name was Isaac. Little uh, yeah, Pennsylvania Dutch kid. Right. <laughs> Fuck. That this is the thing for me. It was like it. It was kind of scary. Like uh, movies with that theme, where like you know kids take over and or you know like uh, yeah, it's like because there was a couple other movies, low budget uh that were of that theme and and it it, it kind of scared me it scared me the beat you know the not knowing what the beast looked like and this and that and all that you know build up but it just it actually like it, it actually annoyed the shit out of me too because it's just like it's like the omen where you're like it's a fucking kid man just just kill him like just get rid of him he's odd he's a fucking yeah. punk he's manipulative uh it's it's like he's he's basically talking about you know, religion and Christianity, especially like there's all these little factors you notice. Um, and then the, the innocent like couple driving through and, um, the guy, the red Malachi, that guy's a great actor. Uh, he's in a bunch of fucking movies. I just saw him in another movie. He's still alive. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's a great movie. Cause it's like, it's, it's scary, but it's fucking annoying at the same time. Cause I, even as a kid, I was like, this is bullshit, man. I would fucking kill him. You know, right, so, and it'd be over. So, right. you know, one statement that I'd like to make that I've I've thought maybe over the last five to ten years, uh, I really think that Stephen King, if you talk about art forms, whether it's uh, writing books or doing movies, um, musicians and bands and artists and, you know, I don't know, maybe you can throw sports in there if you really want to, TV. But if you're talking about the arts, uh, painting, all, any whatever, anything you consider the arts, I actually think that Stephen King, I would consider him probably America's greatest living artist at this point. Interesting. If we talk about, um, maybe people would say Paul McCartney or something like that for, uh, for English because he's part of the Beatles, but you're talking about Scary back in 1974. I think that uh, Stephen King since then has sold a half a billion books. I mean, he's up there with like Shakespeare and yeah. hands. So, I mean, that's, that's really quite impressive. Um, especially when you take into the fact that he did 
uh, Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile and some other some, things that are not horror. So, but he's that great where he could write. A, he can he can take a break and write. You know, some heartfelt, intelligent movies. You know, uh, of the human condition, or you know, it just uh, it's just he, he's great. Like Shawshank Redemption is great. Um, I love the theme of it, and then the Green Mile. I just, I, I actually teared up and I cried like, cause I, I watched it for the first time and, and, uh, I hadn't really seen it before. And then I finally watched it and I was just blown away. But anyway, yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's almost as good as Shawshank in my opinion. So, um, all right, let's go on to number 30. I will go down our official 30 list. Uh, DM, go ahead and start with your number 30. Number 30 for me is Cujo. Um, I, it's another Stephen King classic and it was a hit back in the day uh, when it came out. I like the, uh, I like the, the whole premise of it. It's like this dog was ra- with rabies, no superpowers. He just loses his shit and terrorizes this, uh, mother and her daughter. Um, and it's like, it, it's just, and it's a real dog. There's no special effects. They just, you know, just a good trainer. Uh, it's just a well-made film, good cast. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, I, I just, at the time, you know, it's, a, it's another one of those movies where actually it, it kind of hit me cause it was kind of like the 60s or the seventies and the eighties. There was like a whole, the whole series of like the Dobermans and the, uh, that whole series of dog movies and dogs. You had, uh, that other horror movie with the dog that superpowers, it was great, uh, but it was great, and it just it's it's simple, but it's just it's it's effective writing, and I loved it, and it just was kind of freaky, you know. It's like that could really happen. Like that. Yeah, it was a big hit too. I think it was uh, I'm thinking D. Wallace was in that. The mother I think so. from I love her, man. T. Yeah, um, and a great you know one thing about Stephen King is that creating a whole horror movie basically with two people, if I remember right, two people in a car, a mother and a son right. in a car and a dog on the outside. And the, the majority of the movie is like that. It reminds me if you've ever seen uh, Gerald's Game, or I don't think it's ever, maybe it was never a movie, but the book Gerald's Game, TM, if you ever read that, uh-huh. uh, it's basically about uh, a guy, a wife, and a husband, and the husband is into like kinky sex. And he ties up his wife, and while she's tied, he goes, he rents a cottage way out in the woods, ties her up, and as she's tied up, he has a heart attack and dies. Oh, they they made and that into a movie, yeah, yeah. They did, yeah. And basically, all the animals outside can can smell her. Basically, I think the window oh. is open, so there's like some hungry animals outside. Wow. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's it's really it's a bit lengthy. The book is really kind of wordy with some of his stuff. Is yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, Cool Joe, same setup where it's like one person, two people trapped in a place, and all the horrors that can happen when you're trapped and, and all these uh, things. Which is Cool Joe's one thing. Right. The outside really trying to get it too far away from all Yeah. Uh, basically, the evidence. So maybe go back to a later point. Either tie up some loose ends, maybe correct some things she did wrong, or make some additions that have happened since the episode of here. Sure. So in my 1970s, and I, I guarantee you, there's going to be a few after I go through my list. Where I'm like, I can't believe I missed this movie. Sure. My number 30 is technically a movie that I should have included in my 1970s war. I just want to put this one up there. Uh, it's a movie called Magic. And it's oh. Anthony Hopkins. Huh. Is, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, where Anthony Hopkins, 1978, plays a ventriloquist with a little doll. And he doesn't act. I'm not sure if you've seen that. I haven't, but I that's a great theme. It's uh, it's fantastic because he starts to go insane. And um, funny thing is, there's going back to you mentioned uh, Twilight Zone. I know there's a Twilight Zone episode with a guy with a the ventriloquist when he goes nuts and all starts to talk to him. Right. So in this episode, basically, the 
doll, I, or excuse me, in this movie, and I haven't, I have not seen this. It's been almost forty years. Yeah. But, uh, but, but you never forget uh, it. Yeah. So without going too much into uh, the doll, I believe either starts to come alive or he's basically nuts and listening to the doll who's telling him to do things. So. Oh, like, some of summer of Sam guy or the son of Sam guy. Kind of the same thing, or just he blames oh, the dog. dog. Dogs were talking to him, yeah. So but Anthony Hopkins, who's an amazing actor, what a credible career right. that guy has had. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Magic, if you haven't seen it, it's it kind of barely qualifies as a horror movie, but I, think I would exclude the horror. That's my number 30. Yeah, let's go on to your number 29 best horror movie of the 1980s. Fright Night. Fright Night. This is only going to be you commenting because that's on my list as well. Oh, okay. Um, this I thought it was great. Um, it was a, I liked it because it was like a new at the time. It was a different kind of newer style of a vampire movie. Um, good villain. Um, good cast. Uh, the 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 makeup. I I like the look of the vampire because it, it's like they they took it. And they blew up their features, uh, you know, before that it was just like a couple fangs, uh, and on, and real kind of just subtleties. This was full on, like, uh, uh, full on, uh, possession and, you know, how he, the, the, it's like also a, you know, creepy neighbor story. Um, and, you know, just, uh, the whole thing. And then the, the, the guy who is the TV host, uh, who's supposed to be helping them fight the vampire. He's like a, he's like a, I don't know, weak, not, yeah, yeah he's like a, a weak willed man. And he, you know, and he, he's, you know, he kind of, he kind of hurts the kids that are trying to fight this guy, this vampire. And they're really like super disappointed because he's just a, he ends up being kind of weak, but he, you know, after, in the end, he, he, he's a help. And they kind of bond and all that, but uh, yeah, it's a great movie. I just like the way they did everything, and um, it just—I like, you know, I like the 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 girlfriend. Uh, she when she gets bit, how she blows up, and she's scary. It was kind of more—it was scarier than most vampire movies at the time for me, anyway, because it was just like it was just like uh, menacing. Yeah, it's a very good movie. I thought it was very effective, especially for. Uh, that could have been a PG-13. I don't even think that was an R-rated movie. Uh, no, I watched sure. it. Yeah, it was PG-13. Yeah, PG-13. Okay. Um, number 29, this is... I don't think I've seen this on any list of best of horror movies. Uh, probably sci-fi. It would also qualify for sci-fi, but I had to include this one uh, because it is... Well, it's really kind of racy as far as, like, if there's some sex scenes, I think, that... Uh, first of all, it's called Humanoids from the Deep. It's 1980. Oh. It's Roger Corman. Now, Cam, wow. I keep talking about Roger Corman. He made some really... Um, I wouldn't say questionable, because it would look uh, tame by today's standards. Back in the day, it was considered questionable for the sexual content. Basically, what it is is uh, it's a take on how where uh, human beings came from the, if you're a, uh, uh, depending on it, what you believe, how human beings were created. This is going back to how we were fish that basically came to the sea that learned how to breathe air. Huh. And this a humanoid is basically a water uh, amphibious type creature that learns how to breathe air that comes out of the land and kills men and basically goes after women to mate. Um, so there is some some scenes in there that I think are actually really effective. Um, when you talk about, uh, it's basically, uh, what's that 1950s movie, The Thing from the Bottom of the Sea, oh, or yeah. the, the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Classic. It's just modernized and... Basically, if you see the creature of the, of the Black Lagoon, it grabs a girl and takes her away somewhere, and then they cut, and you just kind of think about what happens. Well, they actually show you mm-hmm. some graphic scenes about what happens when the creature actually takes a girl somewhere and 
don't know what it does. There's sex scenes yeah. with, with the creatures. So anyway, but it, it is uh, pretty cool. There's some gory scenes in there. Hmm. Uh, there's definitely a lot of blood. Um, and you know, actually, coincidentally, who stars in the movie is Vic Morrow, who oh. is the guy who was killed in the Twilight Zone movie. Twilight Zone movie that was uh, made headlines and I think got the director in trouble. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, not too much more to say about that. Um, but some of those Roger Corman horror movies from the late seventies and early eighties, I think, are effective and pretty good. Um, besides the fact that. One last thing I'll say about it. I believe did Mask of the Red Death, which is an Edgar Allan Poe movie in the 1960s. So he kind of came from this position of being a well-respected director to being kind of a buddy producer a little bit. Um, huh. Anyway, very effective movie. I would definitely recommend it. Humanoids from the deep 1980. Nice. Uh, DM, let's go on to your number 28 movie for best horror movies of the 1980s. 1988's uh, Serpent in the Rainbow. Very good, very good. This classic uh, talks about voodoo, and it takes place in Haiti. Um, Bill Pullman, I believe it's Bill Pullman. Yes. Um, you know, I, and that's that's the first movie I saw him in, uh, and really recognized his talent. Um, the just the whole the whole mystique of, of, of voodoo and, and, uh, and just, uh, it's kind of like, it's a, one of the first movies I see. And it's not, it's not like there were some movies in the seventies about voodoo, uh, but they are a little more exploitive. This one was actually a little more serious and, um, it, it's just, you know, it's just scary. The feeling that like all the, the community, is is aware of this guy uh and i believe the main character the main villain is the uh the mayor and that guy's a great actor too um i can't remember his name at the moment but just uh just a good movie it's scary it's kind of a thriller um there's just it's just classic and that's one of the movies that popped in my head of of like you know just good good horror good suspense yeah uh, i believe that was Wes craven wasn't it I think it was, yes. I think it was him. And there was a scene in there that I remember, besides they showed, showed a few, like, uh, ceremonial or sacrificial ceremonies, right, of the mm -hmm. natives with different animals and chickens and stuff like this. Right. I believe that. I think there was even a burial scene where Bill Pullman got buried alive. Right. And that, believe that freaked was, me out, too, like, at the time. Because uh, I was a teenager, so I was a little more... It took a little more to scare me, but when I saw that scene where they, uh, I, I believe they gave him a, like, they gave him a drug to bring him, like, he was still alive, but he was completely unconscious. Like, he was on the verge of death. He, like, froze up his body, and he, you know, he wakes up in the, in the, uh, in the coffin, and um, it's like, he's like, I want to wake up. So that's I like I liked uh, I liked I liked all that. I just liked how it scared me, and uh, it's just I don't know. It's it was a great movie. All right, so we got uh, number twenty-eight on my list. Uh, that's where I have Phantasm Two. Nice. Uh, DM had mentioned it earlier. It is a nineteen eighty-eight film that is a sequel to the nineteen seventy-nine film Phantasm. Kind of a long, long period in between movies. That's nearly ten years. Um, even though the first one was, was kind of a big hit, 1979, I think the filmmaker tried to get it made for many years, even though the first one did make some pretty good money. And I think it was held up with production issues uh, to get funding to make these. Uh, so it was made on a budget, I think, of like maybe $3 million. But yeah, it's got Angus Scrim as the tall man, uh, Reggie Bannister. I like how... Basically, every sequel that he did, he tried to bring back as many people as possible from these previous movies, the same actors to play the same characters as long as they survive. And I think that uh, Don Coscarelli, who did a very good job, um, Phantasm 3 is very good as well. I, I, I believe I've yet to see 4 and 5, but I would definitely recommend Phantasm 2 1988. It's on both our lists, so if you get a chance, 
check it out. Uh, Tim, go ahead with your number 27. Pumpkinhead. Oh, it's all you because I got it as well. Great. Uh, I just liked it. Uh, I I thought it was interesting. You know, it's like a it's like a southern kind of you know southern witchcraft. It kind of points out the the mystique of like the South. Um, you know, it's not just about slavery uh, as the main you know demon of the history of the South, but like the uh you know the magic of it in the forest and um raising you know a demon or a monster from from the land um like just the whole thing and a guy you know trying to i believe i, I believe he did he the guy who initiated it was a father trying to bring back his kid i could be wrong um, but the, but basically that basis of it and the way they did it, just, just amazing. And then unleashing a, a monster and then not being able to, 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 uh, control it. And it terrorizes the area, the community. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> very good movie. Again, I'll, I'll comment on, uh, I'll make my comments later cause I have that one as well. Okay. Um, all right. So we got number 27, I believe. I try to, there's a lot of sequels and a lot of movies, multiple movies made of, say, a horror franchise of the 1980s. I tried to eliminate as many sequels as possible, or if I included a sequel, maybe not include the original, if that's possible, but um, some of the franchises would have had multiple entries on, on my list, but I tried to eliminate as many of those as possible to get some other movies in there. This is one that, uh, the it's uh, part two where part one does end up on my list a little higher, but I've got Creep Show two, nineteen eighty seven. Nice. Uh, this was something that was boy the original was a huge hit. I remember going to see it at the theaters with my parents, and it was just a loaded cinema, and everyone was talking about it. All the kids at school. Creep Show two really kind of came and went with barely a notice. I don't know too many people that went to see the movie. That's with Radon Chong, uh, right? No. Or is that the third no. one? That actually is a... Actually, that is. The third one technically is Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. Ah. Which is still, I believe, George A. Romero, who actually did do the television show, okay. Tales from the Dark Side, after he did the first creep show. Oh, um, actually, okay. the third one was damn good as well, the one you're talking about. In fact, the maybe we'll do a, a 90s horror movie best of list after this at some point, right. but the um, the scene or the the short story of that ends up the movie that you're talking about is excellent. It's uh, Ray Don Chong. Let's talk about this for a minute with James Remar, a guy who was a character actor who was in The Warriors and amazing, love that guy. Plenty of others. Yeah, I think he did like Tales from the Crypt. At least one of those episodes. Dude, he was in Sex in the City, too. I'm sure, yeah. He did all kinds of stuff. Um, the I remember how cool the gargoyle was in that in that movie. Um, but anyway, going back to Creepshow 2, um, not too many stars that I can think about, but it's got three short stories as opposed to five in Creepshow, mm -hmm. the first one. So they definitely had less funding for this one. But uh, right away, the one with the old... You know, Indian, uh, wooden Indian was great. The raft, the second one, I think, is the best. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bunch of kids that go on a raft in a small little pond. And the third one is uh, is one that DM and I joke around about all the time, about a Karen, basically, uh, who's having an affair with a rich husband and, and runs over a, uh, a hitchhiker, and he basically... Thanks for the ride, Thanks for the ride, lady. I love that shit. And, uh, I'll never forget well, that scene, man. I, I constantly would I would quote that shit in my 20s. I would joke, like, thanks for the ride, lady. And I would use that as a reference for, like, anybody who, uh, you know, who basically will fuck up or, you know, fuck yeah. with me, like, you know, and, and interfere with something of mine. Be like, thanks for the ride, lady. And it was a good, you know, a good metaphor. Perfect. Yeah, it's like sort of a, a smaller version of Stan where, yeah, if somebody is a creeper, stalker type, right. you call them a stand, just like the song. 
it's the same thing where it's like, uh, thanks for the ride, lady. If, like, if you're a racist or if you're uh, a Karen or any of that, you know, that type of thing, it's a very good, uh, not only that, but I really did like the music for pre-show, too, was done by Rick Wake, Wakeford. I know it's the keyboardist from the band Yes who did the score for Creep Show 2, and I think did a great job. Um, and it, it definitely this movie holds a personal place for me, because actually I remember on a summer day uh, when I was 13 years old, <laughs> my dad had a traveling sales position. And so sometimes he'd be home during the day if he wasn't traveling. So he just came in and he says, hey, let's go see some movies. And we went into nice. the city, and we went to see Creep Show 2, and then right afterwards we went to see Predator. So wow. it was like in this incredible, yeah, this incredible one-two. And we went out to dinner afterwards. It was just an extremely nice. memorable day. One of those things when you're a kid that you remember. So anyway, I highly recommend Creep Show 2. To be honest with you, it was a last-minute entry for me. I probably would have it higher on my list because I've seen this movie a number of times. Very high replay value uh, for the movie. So, okay, Pia, uh, let's go to your number 26 selection. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'd have to say Creep Show. The original. The original. Okay, well, this is all you because I do have that on my list uh, higher up. This classic. Uh, it was scary. Uh, I, I like the you know I like the variety of stories. Um, I, I liked I liked the premise. Um, I just thought it was a great it was great to combine. All the masters of horror. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't know what else. To, you know, what I can say more. It's just a classic. Um, I, I believe it's it's underrated in some ways. Like, I, you know, only the super hardcore fans of horror recognize it, but it's not something that you know the novice would point out. So, but it's a it's it's one of my favorites, and uh, you know, it's it's it, it's just great. Okay. Um, okay. My number twenty-six is going to be a movie called Trick or Treat. Really? Uh, it was made in, yeah, it was made in. Uh, well, what do you think? Do you think it shouldn't be on there? Or do you think it should? No, be I, don't. I mean, this is an opinion thing, so I can't. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna argue with you, but I'm surprised. Like, uh, that's a that's funny because I watched that when I was like in, I think I was in eighth grade with some friends of mine, and we watched it. Literally, uh, you know, watched it at my friend's house because he had cable. And and uh, I thought it was funny because I was in the metal. And at the time, uh, it it was it was the way they wrote. And the guy who started it, I only saw him in Family Ties. So when I saw him in a movie where he's like a rock, like under, he's a, um, like he's the underdog. He's a, he's a rock, you know, metal nerd. Um I thought it was great, and I thought like how you know the the premise of it was great, and I the soundtrack is fucking classic eighties like rock. The fast way. Oh my god, never heard about them after that. Uh, didn't you know they didn't have a lot of hits, but that album was just like, man, that was they hooked them up. Like it's just a great soundtrack. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, um, it, it, like you said, it was skipping from Family Ties. Who uh, I I. I'll tell you what, that's a show that has not lived well through, in my opinion. I really loved the show when I was a little kid, like maybe eight, nine, ten years old. I watch it these days and I'm like, wow, this is like, it, it's just another show from the 80s that really? is really kind of weak, in my opinion, like the Cosby show. And, uh, I mean, Cheers was a, probably uh, was a little better watch these days than the other two, but the 80s was just filled with those. Um, family comedies that are just very conservative and very, uh, not, not very funny actually. Huh. Uh, anyway, not a show that I, I really, and I've watched it recently. I just don't, don't enjoy it anymore. Like I did when I was a kid, but, um, yeah. And I equate, you know, I, I always equate, we are talking about heavy metal. I equate heavy metal music and horror movies together. They're sure. kind of extreme, usually liked more by young guys than young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ozzy Osbourne and Kevin had been part of the movie. Um, real cool scene as well. Hey, uh, l- let me tell you this too. This is bullshit. Because one part of horror movies when I was a kid that I loved is great, like, nude scenes. 
And uh, as an older guy, like, I don't really, I mean, I, I care about the movie more. But when I was a kid, it was kind of like a special bonus. Oh, my God, And yeah. there was a really cool scene where uh, there's some demon, I don't know, it was a girl in a car, and, and there was, she thought she was making out with, like, Prince Charming. And it turned out to be like, and he took her top off, and it ended up to be whichever demon uh, Mark Price had summoned through this old rock star that had died, right? Not an old, but he was a rock star, I believe, that had died, who right. was a devil worshiper or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's plenty of scenes in this movie. I think they were pretty good. Uh, not a great movie, but a good one. I recommended Trick or Treat 1986. Okay, so, uh, Dion, let's go on to your number well, 25 selection. Real quick, uh, don't forget Gene Simmons. Did you mention Gene Simmons? I said Ozzy and Gene Simmons. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I just have to say, like, I thought Ozzy was pretty funny, and it was, like, you know, of course, over the top. But actually, pre his, him now, like, he actually was a, he wasn't bad as an actor for, like, like to play a villain or like you know just to to an over exaggerated character, I thought he was pretty good. You trying to watch Gene Simmons? Yeah, like he was surprising. Like he was in. Well, the, he had a career for a couple of years in Hollywood. It's weird. Like, That's why, well, do you remember it pissed Paul Stanley off because in the early to mid eighties, uh, he was doing more acting than he was like writing music for Kiss. Huh? And he did a movie with uh, he did a movie with Tom Selleck. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, right around the same time. So he had, you know, yeah, yeah, he had a presence on screen, for sure. So, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out, because that was like, actually, I was, I was at the time, uh, or even now, I look back at him and I'm just like, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's wild. Like, I forgot that he actually, I, I, I don't know, I think he's, uh, I think he's, he's a decent, shitty actor. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, do you have your uh, number 25 selection? Let's see. Layer of the White Worm. Oh, that is a good one. I missed it on my list, but I, I like it. British horror movie. It's also a... I believe it's an H.P. Lovecraft story. I'm like, no. I think it is, too. Yeah, I, I, uh, it fits with the monsters kind of close to a Cthulhu-type monster, right? Right, right. Good cast, though. Um, I love the woman who was the, uh, I don't know what you call her. She, she basically was like the human... Uh, keeper? The keeper? She was a keeper, yeah, because she would find places, uh, and she basically prepared the 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 house or the the lands you know for this this the worm and uh just classic i you know the chick was creepy she's a great actress like she's in she's classic horror horror actress but uh, i love that movie yeah i agree i think she was good i think it was a good movie um there's that classic scene of course where she has like some young kid and she i she was a type of vampire or something. I just remember her saying, like, oh, you're a, what a growing boy you are. And she stripped it down, and then she had fangs, and basically yeah, a bit of sweeter, I guess, right? Something like that, yeah. Something, something like that. Something um, wild like that. I was just like, oh, wow. And, and she's, uh, you know, uh, I, and I recognize her because she was in Superman. I think she was in the first Superman as one of the three uh, uh, Kryptonians that were after really super she was after the female in the wow right cool yeah okay um yeah good good one man good good entry we got uh, number what are we on twenty five twenty four twenty five all right so my twenty five selection I really dig this movie for so many reasons number one. I believe that, you know, we talked before about the 1970s with horror movies. 1980s, I think that the majority of the good ones were really the beginning part of the decade or the mid part as we get towards the end of the 80s and then the 90s. And I think they're not quite as good, but this is the one, 1988, it's called Cellar Dweller. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it stars Brian Robbins, who was from the TV show, Head of the Class. Um, 
and it basically is he's a, a cartoon artist, like a comic book artist, and his uh, character in his comic book comes alive, the cellar dweller. There are some really cool scenes in this movie. It starts right off with a great scene right away. Um, some really... Um, hey, Let's say we'll just see some hot, some great hot chicks, some great scenes uh, with the hot chicks in it. You know, I'll tell you something too. Is that I was about to say like, oh boy, it's not politically correct. It's like that. Like this is horror movies. Like I don't care. Like if there's like hot guys in a movie and girls like it, I don't I, care about I that either. Yeah. I'm tired of this crap of people's oh, it objectifies women. It's a it's a goddamn well, movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so this is like a big deal. There's there's. Right. There's a couple of new chicks in it, so that's a um, that's a staple in a horror movie, though. Yeah. So. Um, so anyway, um, and it's, it's not like an I spit on your grave type scenario. So anyway, very good horror movie, 1988. Uh, let me see if there's anything else I can say about it. Uh, probably not. I'll just say like if you like classic horror movies with like a. a a monster, a beast, and it's it's not excessively gory. It's not excessively anything. It's just a good uh, horror movie that has a few little small twists and a little bit of suspense. It's just right to me. When I mean, you're talking about a simple, not going deep like Exorcist or anything like that, it's just a simple, good horror movie. So that's my yeah. number 25 selection. Okay. Uh, yeah, what is your number 24 selection? So... Number 24 would be Hellraiser 2. And Excellent. Okay, yeah, they made a lot of those. They did, but uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna combine them because I saw both of them at the same time, um, and I just thought, you know, it, to me they're like they're like a double feature because it just like the first one comes out and you get introduced to everything. And the characters and the story, and then the second one comes out, and it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's a complete sequel, in, uh, in where it, it just takes off right after. And I thought that was great. And I'd get them confused sometimes when I was younger because they're so like, they're so connected. Uh, like the story doesn't end, nothing changes. It's just continuation. Um, I I thought it was brilliant. I, the concept, uh, Clive Barker again, like probably the best one of the few horror movies that really made me think about the concept of like hell. Uh, and it like really made more sense to me of like, you know, it's the whole thing where you go to hell and your hell is the thing you love to do that you're addicted to. And you can't ever like do it. You can't, if you're a nymphomaniac, you can never like, you can never have sex with somebody. Um, you know, if, if uh, a drug addiction, like you can take any any of the seven deadly sins, and you can never achieve, you can never achieve your goal. Like you're you're always your hell is is the wanting and yearning for that thing. Very interesting. Uh, um, did you say you're combining the, these two bases, basically one and two that you're putting as your right? Yeah. Number? Okay. Well, here's a controversial take I have, and I had a very controversial take on the 1970s horror movies is that. I don't believe I put The Exorcist on my list. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, I don't know, whatever. But it was my list. I didn't put it on there. And if you want to listen to that episode, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Um, here's a controversial take is that I don't have any of the Hellraisers on my list. Okay. Um, and I do think that, uh, first of all, to be honest with you, I kind of forgot about them a little bit. When I was thinking about doing the list way back when, I thought about the movie when I actually wrote them out and did my list I didn't include it on there even though obviously I think it's a movie that the majority of people at least the first one I wonder if the first two were together or if those are two you know what I mean like if it's one right. story that was separated into two movies a la Superman 1 and 2 were shot as uh, one movie and just separated into parts 1 and 2 but um I think that most people would have Hellraiser at least in their top 20, if not maybe in their top 10. It is certainly a classic horror movie, classic looks of the villains. Um, it is sort of a little bit of, uh, has elements of like sadomasochism oh, totally. and the elements of like pain. 
Uh, and it is, it definitely is a precursor for movies like Saw and some other movies that, horror movies that came later on. Sure. Um, the legendary kind of line about, uh, well, I kind of give it away that said, uh, I think it was Pinhead who said, your suffering will be legendary. Right. That um, shit is great. The writing, man. Like, it was. And, you know, if you, and, you know, you could you could study it on different levels because um, that's how I, I I liked it because there was more to it than just a, it was just slash or or you know satanic it like like yeah. it was different a different take on the whole concept of hell and and demons and shit and it was like you know the the creatures the cinnabites are fucking like just. I don't know. I, I just thought it was it was great take on it and how they wear leather and uh, the the way they look and they're pale and uh, you just you know you, you I don't know it just it was like every, it just looked painful everything about it it literally was painful like you know the 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 monster the demons the cinnabites they look fucking like they're in constant pain uh, from whatever and it's just the way it's set up. Uh, the the pervy doctor gets turned into one and bit and it's like the the way they did it man and and like the other part I liked is uh so the the main god of hell is called Leviathan and then if you look that's also the name of a demon in the Torah uh, and it's also I believe H G Wells I want to say it's a reference, or it's there's like some similarities to it. Uh, Was well, it Wells or Lovecraft? Lovecraft, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, I get those guys; their names confused sometimes. H.G. Wells, man, I, that that dude is incredible. He is. So I, but they both are. But uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And continue. Well, I just I think there's a reference to H.P. Lovecraft uh, with a you know dimensional demons and creatures and pain and like psychological horror. Uh, the way the scenes where the room, like when the demons, the Cenobites appear, uh, the room like switches and the whole thing with the chains. Um, there's a, when I was in my twenties, I read about this guy, uh, who suffered, um, he was a, he was an artist. Um, and he, his whole thing was he suffered from pain. Like he had serious health issues and, uh, he would, his thing was he would put hooks in his back and he'd be hanging. Um, and he would, he really did this shit. Uh, and so like when I saw Hellraiser, I was like, Oh, I wonder if he, he got any of the ideas from that. Cause it's the same kind of thing where it's just, it's like embracing the pain and, and you know, like, um, uh, the way they, 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 they praised it, the torturing, and just everything about it was just like, this is just some wild shit. And uh, it, it, I just thought it was very intelligent. There's a graphic novel, uh, you, you know, uh, Jamera, my friend that you met uh, when we were playing music, uh, she's a big fan of his too, and uh, she had bought the whole graphic novel series. And it's even more, like, it goes even deeper. It delves sure, deeper yeah. and it's more graphic, um, and it's beautiful art and all that. But yeah, I love I love the Hellraiser series. I watched the new one that was on, uh, uh, I believe it was on, what was it on Hulu? They released one last year or the year before, a brand new one, and it's like even more, uh, it delves even deeper and all that. But it's just it's a great series. I I I love great franchise. I like I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, yeah, uh, definitely Lovecraft, any of the, the really good horror guys of the, uh, and if there's any women out there, uh, that are doing it too, are very heavily influenced by Lovecraft. I believe even, I thought that Clive Barker directed Hellraiser, because he did direct most of his stories. I thought he directed well, he did Hellraiser. A great, he did a great job, because it was just, you know, it was just, uh, oh, and the, uh, the, the thing about the uncle and how he was obsessed with like, like sex and like, uh, you know, he was, he was so, he was so, he was so, uh, 
uh, he was a deviant, you know, and like his, he's just obsessed with like, uh, just fucking around with, uh, uh, evil and like ancient evil and, you know, and the, the whole, the whole thing with the, yeah, well, they definitely, definitely, they definitely put you into, it does a good job of putting you in a, in a feeling that you're in hell when you're actually watching the movie as right. the characters really are. All right. Well, Hellraiser, that's, uh, uh, I'm surprised with all you said about it. I'm surprised it's not higher on your list. You seem to be a huge uh, fan of the first two. But well, anyway, uh, I guess uh, we'll, we've got more to look forward to here as far as uh, horror movies. Uh, number 24 for me, guess what? We're going to stay with Clive Barker. I got Pumpkinhead. There's number 24. Right. Nice. Uh, the monster really reminds me a little bit of Alien, actually. The look of it. It's black, huh. scaly, uh, skeletal. It's long. Uh, it's even, it's got that big head, uh, kind of like alien. It does remind me a little bit of it. Um, I'm not going to say too much more about this movie. I would say I highly recommend it. The, the star of the movie is such a fantastic actor. Oh, um, I, I, I hate to say DM him. I, but he's a huge, like huge bar far right wing nutcase. Like, uh, yeah, it um, anyway, his name is Lance Hendricks and he, actor. He was in um, many other great horror movies. One of them is is further up on my list. Um, So yeah, very good uh, setting, darkness, uh, good very atmospheric. Highly recommend that. Let's move on to number 23. What do you have on your list for number 23? 23. Well, I, I mean... We'd, we'll have to jump to 22 because 23 is Hellraiser, but we already talked about that. Um, sure. Do you have a 23? Um, 23, I do. Uh, okay. I'm still researching it right now. Uh, let's see. Come on. I, was, I want to go to the Wikipedia page here. Okay, number 23, I have... Oh, I love this horror franchise. Love it. It's really made me laugh as well as actually made I thought it was actually more about comedy than, than horror to be honest with you especially after the first one um, it really became something with me and my friends and my teens and my 20s we would reference this movie great lines one of my favorite actors plays uh, the killer we're talking about the original 1988 child's play uh, with Chucky the doll um, and we're talking about one of my favorite actors Yes, I think Chris Sarandon is very good. He plays the vampire in... Uh, you okay over there? Yeah. <laughs> and he plays the vampire in Bright Night. Um, Catherine Hicks, who played a few other movies. But the big thing is the is Brad Dorris, one of my absolute favorite actors who uh, was in uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, had a very great. Um, and he, his voice, obviously, he's doing more of like a Jack Nicholson uh, with his voice. Hey, gotta get, hey, hey, you gotta get me out of this body. Like, he's kind of doing a Jack Nicholson approach. Right. Loved it. But I'll never forget the scene. Talk about one of the funniest scenes of all time. And it, it introduced me to, as well as a few other movies, comedy and horror because of Brad Dorff. The scene where she, the mom picks him up, is about to throw him in the fire and says, talk, damn you. Otherwise, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And all of a sudden, he looks at her and he goes, you filthy slut, you piece of shit, you stupid bitch. I'll teach you to fuck with me. And he bites her on the shoulder. Right. And for, for him to go off on that, like, profane, profanity-laden tirade on her, I, I swear to God, I was sitting there watching the movie with my mom on VHS. Nice. I erupted with laughter. I couldn't stop laughing at it. Um, and look, and look, these are old horror movies. Where sure. There's a lot of spoiler spoiler alerts in here. So sorry if I just gave away a great scene if you haven't seen the movie. But go see it. Or, you know, see whatever way you want to see it. See that movie. Uh, the actual, if we were doing a 90s list, uh, I don't want to give too much more away, but I certainly have other movies to put on there from Child's Play. Very popular horror franchise. So that's my number 23 movie, the best horror movies of the 1980s. Nice. Okay, so what do you have for number 22 on your list, Ian? Let's see. 
I'm going to have to do another combo, uh, the Howling and the Howling 2. Uh, yeah, God, it was on the fringe of my list. I was thinking about those. Big time werewolf movie. Loved the second one as well. Like, uh, I'd have to say uh, I like it. It's a classic because it's the first the first horror movie that, um, like, it, it goes, it, the, the look of the werewolves and how, and the transformation scenes, like, they actually, like, took time and, like, and, uh, plot, you know, um, you know, they went over the scenes and they went through details and how, you know, because usually it's, like, previous horror movies, werewolf movies, uh, you turn around, turn back, and uh, the werewolf appears. It doesn't go into detail how uh, this one. It's like you see it grow. Uh, it's taller. It's it's uh, it's it's they're longer. It's more wolf looking. Uh, previous wolf werewolves were like the Wolfman, where it just looks like a dog. Um, yeah, but this looks like a, a guy. Fuck- guy in a suit with a mask on right you know and and so this like they really go out and they 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 kind of like they uh they expand the story more uh and kind of just explain how it goes and they add a lot of interesting details and you know the adding like making you know they're they're like uh was it they're a pack you know making references like to more like wolves um it's in and and how it's like you know, it's, there's uh, an indigenous element to it or native, you know, element to it. Um, like, it just, yeah, it just goes off, man. I love it. And it just, uh, it was kind of scary. You know, it just it scared me more. And it was more raw. They showed more, the scenes were more intense. They they show the, the victims, you know, how they got cut up and or shredded. And uh, there's more depth to it. And, and uh, more political too, in some ways, because like it exposes the world. The cast is great. I mean, there's all these great elements to it, but I just, it's just to me, it's probably the, it's the beginning and, and one of the, you know, two of the best, uh, werewolf horror movies ever. I completely agree. I believe that is, um, D D Wallace again, but didn't she play the main character? Right, right. In that um, classic scene, I'm not going to give it away. I'm going to try to be better about giving Ah. spoilers out. Um, But classic scene with her at the end. She's a TV reporter, right, when she's Mm -hmm. on live, uh, on the air. Classic scene there um, that if you've seen it, you you know what I'm talking about. Um, Another classic scene in the very end where a werewolf goes up to a diner and says, uh, you know, you, I'll take a cheeseburger. And they're like, how do you want it? He's like, rare. Right. The funny thing is, though, is that as you see the burger cook, what's got to remember, talking about this, the small stuff, they have the scene of the burger cooking took up the whole ending credits. By the time the credits were done rolling, I'm like, this burger is like medium well by now. Right, I'm right, like, right. You, the first order to rare, you put it on very briefly each side, serve it up. Right. But anyway, um, the second one, I could have sworn there was like a big, huge werewolf-like orgy scene in the second yeah. one. Uh, where the guy who, one of the uh, male werewolves in the second one is a great character actor who was in one of my favorite 80, 80s movies of all time, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, he played the hitchhiker, the scary sort of like uh, angry hitchhiker that Pee-wee, I guess, I haven't seen that movie in so long, but right, yeah. I don't know the guy's name, but uh, he was great. I love both of those movies. I was very close to putting one, if not both of those, on my list as well. So, uh, excellent selection. Um, let me move on to number 22 on my list. And I guess I'll do 21 as well, right? Because you had a combo. If you, yeah, yeah, let's do combos. Okay. All right, so I have... Um, on my 22 list, 1985, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, hmm. It is not a George A. Romero Living Dead film. Uh, it is directed by Dan O'Bannon, who wrote Alien. Huh. Uh, fantastic job. There is a uh, leak, a chemical leak at a chemical factory, uh, highly poisonous gas goes up into the clouds, acid rain comes down over this area of the town, causes zombies, a great script, 
uh, really cool scenes. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Anybody who loves horror movies, I think, uh, DM, even if it's not on yours, this is something that, when I was a kid, everyone was talking about this movie. Great cast. Uh, Tom Matthews is in it, who was in Friday the 13th Part 6, playing Tommy Jarvis. Um, another great actress. We're talking about a stream queen. One of the greatest of all time is Linnea, Linnea Quigley. Huh. Anybody who's a horror movie fan knows that name. She usually does she's a dancer who did some she did like, I don't know, some blind ball Bolarama movie that Fred Olin Ray who was a um uh horror movie director did. She was in another movie that actually I'm gonna mention further up on my list. Uh love the cast. She does this great dancing movie. Uh she she does this great dancing scene where she strips down before uh, all the dead come up and basically um, eat, eat her alive and stuff. It was just, uh, I can't say enough. I, mean, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I haven't seen it in so long. I must have seen it. I must have saw the movie maybe 10 to 15 times on VHS back in the day. Wow. Anyway, Return of the Living Dead, 1985. Highly recommend it. Now, let me go on to, okay, one second. We're going to do number 21. And this with movies that have a ton of sequels. Uh, I only included two movies from this series in here. And, oh, come on. Sorry, let me get no. to this. Uh, it is Friday the 13th, Part 5. Believe oh. it or not, Part 5. Um, yeah, part 5... Come on, this is this is ridiculous. I could have sworn it and there's a part in Wikipedia where you could see like all of the uh you can see all of the sequels or bring you to the next sequel. Yeah, there used to be able to used to be a link. They'd have all the links underneath. Right, so this is giving me a real hard time. That's why I usually don't like doing them back to back like this. But just bear with me for one second. 